Good. Uh, we're in the season of Advent, all right? A couple of weeks ago, we celebrated New Year's Day for Christians. Did y'all know that? That's, when, uh, that's the beginning of Advent, season of expectation, waiting. Uh, we're celebrating God's arrival through Jesus, and we're also waiting in expectation for him to uh, arrive again. That's the, that's the season of Advent. And so we're in a series um, of expectation. And so the first week uh, uh, of our series, we preached talking about um, peace, the arrival of peace. Uh, last week we talked about hope. I think that was the order. Um, if it's not, just do this, and then I'll, I'll switch it. Uh, and then uh, this morning we'll talk about joy. Everybody say joy. joy. Oh, man. Joy is the core characteristic of a faithful follower of Jesus. If you've ever seen a miserable follower of Jesus, I would just like to say that they're not following very close. Because joy is the core characteristic of Jesus, of God. And um, that's what uh, ought to be the core characteristic of his followers. So our text this morning is Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. If you have uh, any paper Bibles, you can turn there. Isaiah 61. And um, we're going to read the first uh, uh, four verses there. And then I have another passage right after that in the New Testament in 1 Thessalonians. And so a little bit of scripture this morning. We're going to read through and then we're going to uh, dig in. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, and they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says this, Be joyful always. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. He will do it. He's going to do it. Only he can do it. Uh, I was watching some uh, old home movies uh, this past week um, of, of when my kids were little. I don't, I don't have, I got a lot of home movies now because I have my cell phone, all right? Uh, we, didn't, we didn't have that when I was younger, so I don't have, um, I can't sit back and watch a lot of the Home, like home videos when I was little. And so I'm, I have a couple favorite videos when the, when the kids were really little. Uh, one of them is I'm just at, we're just at the house, in, uh, my old house, and we're in the backyard, and um, uh, my, my son is playing on a playset. One of the neighbor kids is over there playing on the playset, and they're just kind of twirling around. And, and my, my, uh, on, the, on the 
whatever the things are called with the handles that you twirl on. All right. And the girls were chasing some chickens. Um, I had, uh, I had, uh, we lived in this neighborhood. I don't know if you could have chickens, but we had them. And so, and they were really skinny chickens. I don't know if you've ever seen skinny chickens. And the kids are, the girls are chasing chickens around and, and, and yelling at them. And then uh, I got a little fire pit going on. And then Lindsay is over here and she's on a swing. It's like, it's, there's nothing special about it. It just is, reminds me of the simple things in life. And I'll go back and I'll watch it and I'll just be like, oh yeah. I remember when they used to chase the chickens. <laughs> I, I just, and so, but there's nothing special except it's the best video ever. My other favorite, and I, and I saw this the other day, was um, kids were really little. Uh, my youngest was in, uh, she was an infant, and, uh, and me, I picked up all three kids and we, from uh, daycare, and uh, we were driving around and we were going to pick up Lindsay from work, and I had all three kids in the car, and we were going to, uh, we were we were, I was talking about how mom was about to get in the car, and they were, they were excited, and um, Grant, who's the middle one, he's my son, he's like maybe two years old, all right, and so everybody's, everybody's getting all excited and getting worked out, we're like, we're going to see mom, and then we're going to, and I probably said something, you know, I don't know, we're going to get ice cream or something, I don't know, and, um, and, and, and it's all excited and getting all worked up, and then Lindsay opens up the door, and, um, and she pokes her head in, and, the, and, and Sophie just is like, yay, and then, and then Grant's like, uh, 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 and he just erupts in tears. He's like, he's two years old, and um, just, I, I don't even know what's going on, and, and so, and I'm, and I'm videoing it, I don't know why, and, and so then um, uh, he's, he's crying, and, and, and Juliet's just like, whatever, she's in the little car seat, she don't know what's going on, and, um, and then Lindsay says, uh, hey, look, and she has a sucker in her hand. And Grant's like, whoa, and then he looks and he goes, hey, a sucker, and just flips on a dime. And, um, and he said, uh, and so she hands him the sucker, and there's a sucker in his hand, and, um, but it's got the wrapper on it. And he goes, here, you do it. And he hands it to Lindsay, and Sophie goes, hey, do you, do you want me to open it for you? And he goes, no, you do it. You open it. It doesn't, it's, not, it's nothing, nothing crazy about the video. It just reminds me uh, of simpler times. But I love the expectation that he has. He doesn't, he gives the sucker back and he's waiting. And he's, he, he's gone, this emotional just roller coaster. And he comes back and then he's just back chilling, happy again. He's just waiting on the sucker to, to be in his hand again with no wrapper. He's going to chow down on that thing. I want to talk this morning about joy today. Isaiah, the prophet, has a prophecy about what the Messiah is going to do when he shows up. It's the most incredible joy-filled expectation you'll ever read. We just read it. It, it, it's not happened, it's 700 years before Jesus gets here, but Isaiah is saying it's, it's going to happen, and he's going to do it. He's, he's going to do it. We can't do it, but Jesus is going to do it. And it's this description of Jesus, and it's how he's literally going to bring the joy. God's going to do it. It's not a, a Christmas list. Anybody made any Christmas lists recently? Has anybody received any Christmas lists recently? It's not a Christmas list of shoes or toys or, you know, whatever. Big, big list, you know, new, new car or whatever. I don't know. 
New, uh, it's, it's not this list of, you know, going somewhere awesome, some trip or some vacation. It is, Scripture says, provision. He's bringing provision for those who grieve. A crown of beauty instead of ashes. Joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise, a praise coat. Talk about getting a new coat. A praise coat instead of a spirit of despair. That's a gift. That's a gift. A garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, heavy weight. In other words, it's, it's so much better than some of these other Christmas lists. It's more than a happy feeling. It's more than an emotional high. It's more than a next promotion. It's more than whatever we think is going to bring us to happiness. It's a description of God showing up and creating a world, an environment, literally where joy just grows naturally. An environment where joy grows naturally. That, that actually is God's goal. Did you know joy is God's goal for you? you? You hang around, if you hang around church for a long time, sometimes, especially a lot of uh, re religious, a lot of religion. I mean, we're, we're, in the, we're, we're in the Bible Belt. There's still a lot of religion, cold, just religion. You, you, you hang around long enough and you would get the idea that joy would be the furthest thing from God's mind. It is God's goal for you, though. In fact, Jesus says it. John 15, he says this. I told you this. He's talking about being, staying close to Jesus. I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. God's joy is the best joy. So here's, here's my joy definition for this morning. I've preached on joy now. Our church is like four years old, so I've preached on joy a bunch of times, and I give a different definition every time I preach. Here's mine for 2023. All right, here it is. Here's my joy definition. Joy is the focus that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. Joy is not a feeling, but it is a focus that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. He's going to do it. He's, it is taking your life, giving it back to Jesus and saying, no, you do it. You do it. You open it. You bring the joy. I can't do this on my own. I can't do this myself. And so this morning, just for a few minutes, I want to talk about the pillars of joy. The pill what makes joy stand? What makes joy strong? What makes joy, biblical joy, real? What makes it for you and for me? Anybody in here want a little bit more joy? Anybody want less joy? In your hands, less joy. I get it. No, too much joy, Joel. It's too much. I'm too happy all the time. I need less. No, I saw no hands. Pillars of joy. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, first one is the people. The people. So Isaiah has given what's called a messianic prophecy. It just means that um, it is, this prophecy is 700 years before the Messiah is here. So it's before Jesus. It is about Jesus, and only Jesus can, can fulfill it. So it's, it's, it's about Jesus. It's before him, it's about him, and he's going he's gonna to fulfill it. And I'll show you he's going to fulfill it, uh, because in Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus um, 
Jesus has been, uh, uh, he's, he's coming back to Nazareth where he grew up. And I'm going to read this passage of scripture. And we find Jesus and he is now, uh, he's been a, a carpenter's son and he's picked up the trade. All right. He's picked up a dad's trade of carpentry. And then later on in life, he's moved into uh, becoming a rabbi. All right. And so here he's now the uh, uh, Mary and Joseph's son. He's come back to his hometown and he's about to preach. All right. And they've asked him, the local rabbi, to come in, come in and we want you to read uh, the text and we want you to preach. And so this is what, this is what he reads. All right. Are you ready? So verse four, uh, Luke 4, chapter 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. News about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. And so he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. Everybody say hometown. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And then he stood up to read. And so he's, 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 he's back home. He's in his hometown. And... Um, They've asked him to do the preaching for the day. So verse 17, uh, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And so unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were on him. And he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus is standing up, he reads the scroll, and then now once he's finished reading, uh, the, the scriptures didn't have chapters and verses back then it just it was that was added uh, much later on and so he opened up the text and he found what we know as Isaiah 61 but he was looking for this passage of scripture so he reads it and then he sits down and it's kind of tradition was whoever was going to do the 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 preaching they would sit down and then everybody else would stand up so you guys want to do that this morning no okay so so he sits down and Everybody's listening, and then he says this, these words. It's a 700-year-old prophecy. They're waiting on the Messiah, and then he says this. By the way, today is the day that this is fulfilled in your hearing. It's actually today. And then it says this, uh, verse 22. So all spoke well of him. Everybody's there. They're all speaking well of him, and they were amazed at his teaching, the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? You ever gone back home, if you're not living at home now, you ever gone back home, went back home, and then you see people that you, that you maybe you like graduated high school with, or, or maybe it was like two years ago, but it feels like 20 years ago for you, or maybe it was 20 years ago, and you're like, it was a million years ago. And um, so this is, this is Jesus, and he's with the people around him, and they go, they go isn't, this, isn't this just Joseph's son? Isn't this old Jojo's son over here? Now, what is he doing over here, preaching these words? But everybody loved him. They loved it. And so this is what he says. So everybody's there. And I, I, don't, I don't, I feel like, I don't know if this is true, it doesn't say this. I feel like the room was like jovial. I feel like it was lighthearted. I feel like they heard him preaching and they're like, man, they all loved him. It just says it. All spoke well of him. Okay, here it says. So Jesus says to them, surely you're going to quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself and you will tell me, 
do here in your hometown what we've heard you have done in Capernaum. He's gone around and done a bunch of miracles. And so he's saying, I know what you're going to ask of me now. You're going to want me to do a, a miracle for you. So watch what he says. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah wasn't sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet none of them were cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Now watch this. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the, to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. So Jesus is loved by everybody. Then he tells a story about Elijah and Elisha, and all of a sudden they, they switch gears. They don't, tell, they don't just take the microphone from him. They say, Jesus, come with us and take him, drive him to the edge of the cliff and try to throw him off a cliff. And then Jesus, you know, pulls a Jesus and he just kind of slides through. I, it, was, it was some kind of miracle. There was, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how it happened. I just know that they were going to throw him off a cliff and then, and then he disappeared. He walked through them and they, and they couldn't. What is it? What is it about what he said that would make them want to want to throw him off a cliff. God's, God's mission is to, part of his mission is to fill the world with joy. His goal is for us to be full of joy. But we often think we're the exception. A lot of times, if we're not careful, Satan, his name in Scripture is the accuser of the brethren, the accuser. Well, you know what he likes to do? A accuse. You ever been accused of something? You ever been accused of something you didn't do? You ever been accused of something you did do? That's what the enemy likes to do. Accuse us of things that we did do. And so we know what we have done. We're all pretty familiar with our own darkness, with our own sin, with our own nastiness. We're all pretty familiar with our own bitterness and our own stuff. We're, we're, we're familiar. We may hide it pretty well, but we know it. And so we tend to think oftentimes that we're the exception. God may have good plans for a lot of people. He may have good plans even for everybody. But it's probably everybody but me. It's everybody but me. When we're alone, the accuser likes to come in and say, and that's why, and this is why, and this is why you don't get the promise of joy. And this is why everybody around you seems to be living this life full of joy in the Lord, and you don't get it. We tend to feel like we're the exception. Who, who are God's people? Who is God's mission? Who gets the oil of joy instead of, the, instead of mourning? Who gets a garment of praise, a coat of praise, instead of a garment of heaviness? A lot of times we disqualify ourselves from living in joy because we put the focus on ourselves. We think that we don't get to receive the promises of God because we don't deserve it. I must be the exception. I've made the wrong decisions here. I still struggle with this over there. Or I don't measure up to this person over here. But the, 
don't, don't miss the point. You actually are God's target demographic. You can't disqualify yourself for any reason. This is what happened. Jesus gets up and he reads this uh, Isaiah text. And the people that are around him are God's chosen people, the Jews. And, he's, and it says, everybody's speaking well of him. And then it says that Jesus turns and tells two stories about how God went and did something great for who? Gentiles. They weren't, even, they, they weren't the chosen people. They, they were not supposed to be the exception. They were not. And he tells these stories, and they get so angry at hearing this that they decide they want to throw him off a cliff. Let me tell you something. God's ministry and mission is always, it's always for the outcast. It's always for the outsider. It's always for the excluded one. It's always for the one who feels like, yeah, God's ministry and his mission is for everybody but me. God's mission is for the black sheep. That is who he's going for. And there are moments in all of our lives, some of us, they're fleeting, they're momentary, they're circumstantial. Oh. Some of us, it's long, drawn-out seasons. I'm the exception. God's heart isn't for me. And let me just tell you something. Let me tell you about a, a pillar of joy that you and I have to understand to be able to receive joy. God's gift of joy isn't based on us. It's based on him, which means the people that God's gift of joy is for is for you and for me. There aren't any exceptions. There, there, there aren't any exceptions. If, you, if, you're, if you'll receive it, that's, that is the pillar of joy. It's the people. The people. Joy is the focus that God's going to do what he was sent to do for the people that he was sent to. And he was sent to you. So where is it? Where, where is joy found? Where is joy found? Number two is this. The presence. So pillar number one is the people. Pillar number two, the presence. Psalm 16 says this. You make known the path of life. Talking about God. You make known the path of life, God. And in your presence, there is fullness of what? What does that say? Joy. Fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In God's presence is Fullness of joy. Have you, have you ever heard anybody say, uh, uh, just, just uh, choose joy? Choose joy. Have you ever heard anybody say, choose joy? You need to just choose joy. Um, and, and I understand a lot of times what, what they mean by that. But if you're not careful, it'll sound like, uh, just don't worry, be happy. You ever heard that before? You ever been not happy and then you were like, somebody came up to you and they were like, hey, don't worry, just be happy. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, in that case... Oh, I guess I'm happy now. You ever had anybody say, choose joy? I had a, um, I had a, uh, a friend a long time ago who, who told me um, about how he was, he, was in a, he was really upset about something, and a friend had told him, given him advice on how to get over it. And uh, it was to, that he said, uh, I, was, I was really upset, I was having a really bad day, and he said, so I went to my office, and I, he said, if you just will smile while you're, while you're really upset, if you'll just smile, and if you do it long enough, then you'll, it'll all go away and you'll get in a, 
in a good mood. And he said, so I went and did that. He said, I was just smiling. And he said, man, it just changed my day. And I was like, oh, that's cool. All right. So um, later on, I was not having a great day. I was in a bad mood. I, I don't remember what happened. I just remember I was really angry. Looking back, it was so insignificant. I don't remember it. But at the time, it was so such a big deal. I thought probably it was the end of the world. That's usually how that happens. Uh, that's how emotions work. All right. So I think, oh, yeah. Uh, my friend Rob told me, just smile your way into a good mood. And, um, and so I was like, well, I'm going to do that. And so I start smiling. And I'm like driving down the road, and I just like, I'm so mad, but I'm going to, man, I'm going to be such a good Christian because I'm going to be smiling. And I was just doing this, and I was, and I was just, and the longer I did it, the angrier I got. And I was, this is so stupid. By the end of it, I was, I, was, I was angry at the person that made me mad, and then I was angry at myself for being such an idiot for trying to smile my way into a good mood. And I was like, I'm not happy. I'm a hypocrite. I'm angry, and I just, and oh, it was, it, was, it, was, it, was the, it was the worst. It was the worst. You and I might not be good at choosing, at choosing joy, but we can choose to be in God's presence. Psalm 16 says, in his presence is the fullness of joy. So I, I, can't, I can't conjure up, I'm not good enough, I'm not disciplined enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I can't conjure up my way into a good mood if that's what joy was. Even, it's not, but even if that's what it was, I'm not good enough to do that. I can't just choose it, but I can choose God's presence. And how, how, how do you do that? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. There, there, are, there are all kinds of different ways that you can put yourself in a position for, for the garden of your soul, for joy to be able to be cultivated there. Uh, you know, you can, you can fill your mind with uh, music that puts you in the right space with God. You can fill your heart and your mind with the music that honors God. I get it. Yeah, I get it. It can be hard to find good, like, Christian music. I'm not saying go, you know, crank up. You're like, on, you know, Pastor Joel said I got to listen to K-Love all day, every day, and you're just turning it up. Look, I get it. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. I'm just saying some of us are putting on headphones, listening to depressed, hopeless people all day long, and then we're driving home on our way home from work, and we're wondering why we're depressed and hopeless. Because somebody has been singing to us and telling us all day long how depressed and hopeless they are, and probably you should join it too. And I'm, I'm just saying this. No, I, I love music. I'm just, this is a little practical point. This isn't, I'm not putting a hard line on anything. I'm just saying this, that it matters what you fill your soul with. And you can worship you, you can fill your mind with things that will pull you away from God's presence, or you can fill your mind with things that will usher you into God's presence. You, you, you can do that. Or you can fill your mind with just stuff, with just busyness, with just things all the time, and there's no space for God's presence. Or you can take time where you just pull that stuff away, and it's just quiet. It's just silent. It's just still, silent, quiet. Right before Jesus went to go preach in the synagogue, and then they tried to throw him off a cliff, um, he just had spent uh, 40 days in the wilderness in quietness, fasting and prayer. 
And so he comes out and his ministry starts. I'm just telling you, there, there, there are a lot of different ways to put yourself in a position for your soul to cultivate to, be, to uh, cultivate joy. There's fullness of joy where? In your presence. You know where, you know where else uh, the presence of God is? Church. church. Hey, welcome. Welcome to church. Scripture says, where two or three are gathered in my name, these are Jesus' words, there I am among them. There's more than two or three of you guys here, so in case you were wondering, we got the math right. There I am. There I am. Why? Because you are carriers of God's presence. You carry it. And so you gather together in here, and whether you feel it or not, you're in here, and then there are, there's, there's God. Here's the truth. You and I aren't always going to want to go and gather together, be at church. It's, it's tough sometimes. It's tough sometimes. I get it. Y'all are here. I'm looking at the dreary day, but y'all are here. You made it. Here's the, here's the challenge. Where's, where's God's presence? And it's gathered together with the body of Christ. It's, it's, it's together. Become, become church people. Be, be church people. It, it's not about church. It's, it's, about, it's about people. So, so, so it's, not, it's not what you do. Well, I'm, I'm a church person, so I go there. It is who you are. I am the church. And so I gather together with the other parts of the church. It's, it's, it's who I am. I'm the body of Christ. And so I gather together with the body of Christ. I fill my life with other people who are going to help me focus on the truth that God is good and he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Joy is the focus that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. So the people, pillar number one, the people. Pillar number two, the presence. Hebrews, two, uh, Hebrews 12 says this, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him. Everybody say joy. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The third one is this, the promise. The promise. All, all, all three start with P, in case you were wondering. That's your, that's your pastor's alliteration, all right? So you can, you can remember it. The promise. Joy isn't a feeling. It's a focus. Jesus fixed his eyes on the joy set before him, and so he endured, he endured what was in front of him. Joy is a, joy, joy is a focus on the goodness and the promise of God that he's he, he's going to do it. So my, my, my kids are bigger. Uh, I started off telling you a story about my kids. My kids are bigger than they used to be. Um, uh, they're, they, like physically, they are physically bigger than what they used to be. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think, you know, I think my son's like 100 pounds. I don't know. Um, somewhere around there. When he runs and jumps on my back and I'm not ready for it, I feel like my spine is going to get ripped out of its own, whatever this is, my back, out of my own body, and I'm going to just crumble to the ground. I'm not, he, when I'm not ready for it, he just comes up, Dad! And I'm just on the ground. I'm like, your dad's done. Dad is out. I, I, it's, it, is, it is crushing. But if I know he's about to jump on my back and I've prepared myself for it, 
all right? Then it's, then it's more like a, like a warm-up squat, you know? I know he's, and I'm ready for it. I, I, can, I can handle it because my focus is set. My focus is different. This is joy. Joy is a focus. It's a focus. It's not a feeling. When I, when I know that life is going to try and hit me and take me out and my focus is on Jesus, when I fixed my eyes on Jesus, then it, then it, then it won't take me out. It, it, it won't take me out. This is joy. It's the focus that God's going to do what he said he was going to do. Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame because he was focused on the joy set before him. There there are things in our lives you're going to have to see through first in order to walk through. You're going to have to see through the circumstances at what's on the other side, the promise on the other side, in order to be able to endure it and walk through it. Joy isn't a feeling. Joy isn't a circumstance. Joy is a focus on the promise of God. That's why you can, that's why you can meet so many different followers of Jesus, and they can all be in different seasons, and yet they can all declare the same promise. Man, man I, I'm in a summer season of life, and you're just talking about, you know, how good God is. Or I'm in, a, I'm in a winter season of life. I don't know where God is. I don't see any life. I don't see any flowers. I don't, everything's dead around me. Everything I see, and yet you can still sing the same song. You can still preach the same message. You can still have the same, you can still hold on to the same hope. Why? Because joy is a focus. Jesus did not go to the cross skipping his way onto the cross. There was nothing, it wasn't joyful about being nailed to the cross. It was the joy set before him. He endured the cross and scorned its shame. Jesus suffered to show us how we too can suffer and yet still live a life walking in joy. Why? Because it's a joy set before him. It's in front of him. You, you and I have to learn to see through for a lot of things in our life before we're going to learn to walk through it. Before we're going to learn to walk through it. I want to pray for you this morning. What's wild is when Jesus read from Isaiah 61, he read a passage of Scripture and he stopped halfway through one of our verses. The, the verse that I read at the very beginning said... Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is, uh, is upon me to preach good news, uh, to free the captives, to bestow a crown of beauty uh, for ashes, all that stuff. And then he says this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the vengeance of our God. When Jesus is reading that same thing, he ends with to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he doesn't, he doesn't say the second part. Here's why. Jesus has come. And it is the year of the Lord's favor. The gift that he brings is available. The day of, uh, here's the deal. One day Jesus is going to come back again. He's going to return again. And when God makes all things right, it's good for those of us that are longing for God to make all things right. 
but it's bad for those people who have made the things that we want right, who have made them wrong. When God brings justice, those that long for justice are filled with joy. Those who don't want justice are filled with terror. It's the day of vengeance of our God. So here's the point. The year of the Lord's favor, Jesus closes the scroll and sits down and says, Today, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. And here's the message. You can expect, you can expect to be the target audience for God's gift of love, hope, peace, and joy. He came for you and for me. The way we respond is we, the way we receive that is, is, is we accept. We step into it. We walk in it. You have to do cartwheels. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to do all the somersaults. It is a free gift. God's done all the work. He's done all the work. And so we respond and we go, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I receive it now. And from receiving that gift, then we turn around and we go, okay, I, I, I want more. I want to walk closer. I want to walk closer. And it's, the, it's that love for God that makes us forget all the other junk that we used to do. It's God's love. So I want to pray for you this morning. You would if you close your eyes. Just here's the question, you know, where, where's, your, where's your joy meter this morning? Maybe a better way to say it is, where's, where's your focus? Where's your focus? Joy is a focus on God that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Where's your focus? Maybe you're in here and you say, Joel, look, if I'm honest, I, 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 I hate this season. I don't, I, don't, I don't like this season. It's anything but peaceful and joyful and, and all of those things. I just need God to help me fix my focus. I need help seeing God in this season. I need help seeing God at work. I just, I need the oil of joy today that you read about. I have a heaviness. I want to trade it off today for what God has for me. If that's you, I, I believe God wants to begin a work in you today. If, that, if that's your prayer. That's your prayer. I, I need help in this, and I need, I, need, I need the oil of joy today. If that's you, nobody's looking around, it's just me, but it's, it's a confession to God. He sees your hand. Would you just lift your hand real high and you put it back down? Lift it real high and put it back down. Yeah, yeah, so many. Yes. I, I, I need that today. I need that gift today. Anybody else? Yeah. Or maybe you're in here. And if you're honest, you're, you're, you're not even really following Jesus this season, much less focused on him. But, but you want to change that today. Today's your day. Today's your day to surrender to him. Look, walking with Jesus is the best decision you will ever make. It, it isn't the easiest, but it is absolutely the best. If that's you and that's your prayer, God, I want to follow you today, whether it's the first time or it's a, or it's a restart, it's a reset. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real, real high and you put it back down? Yeah, yes. Anybody else? Yes. Yes. Anybody else? Thank you. Father, I'm overwhelmed by your, continually overwhelmed, God, by your good grace. God, everything you do is good. Everything you do is good. God, your work, you make all things well.
You make all things well. You make all things well. So, God, that's our prayer this morning. Lord, in this space, for those hearts that are hurting today, whose focus is on anything but you, God, I pray you would reset our focus onto you and you would make all things well. You're going to do it. You're going to do it, and only you can do it. God, so we give, we entrust our lives back to you. God, we give it back to you, and we say, no, you do it. You do it. You do it, because I can't do it. Only you can do it anyway. So, God, I pray that you would fill this space with joy, fill these hearts with joy, and those people in this room that are resetting and restarting and re-receiving your grace today to start again a new life in you, God, I pray that you would fill them with all courage, all hope, renew and restore their heart today. It is your mission, and it's what we wait on in this Advent season. We wait on it. You came to bring it. We wait on it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.